Good morning and welcome to the Beanstalk Coffee Podcast, where we believe your coffee has something to say. Learn how to listen and enjoy your coffee more each week with me as we taste our way around the world and build a better understanding of our daily brew right from home. It tastes better this way. I'm your host, Trevor Ogborn, and today we're drinking Peru El Hawaiican from Jubilee Roasting Company. I hope you're able to sip it alongside me. As we do at the beginning of every episode, we're starting out by tasting our feature coffee of the week because life happens after coffee and it's time to get started. Jubilee roasts and serves their coffee in Aurora, Colorado. I love their story. Jubilee is born out of the idea that we are not the most important things around us. In fact, it's more like we are just some trees in a story about a forest. And that's the best. Their website goes on, We sell coffee, foster collaboration, and do our best in helping the community around us flourish. Our mission is to love well. Our vision is to celebrate when healing comes from it. If that's not something you can appreciate, I don't know who you are. I love a good coffee shop with a good vision. Because if the vision is good, you know the coffee is going to be great as well. Today, we're drinking their Peru El Hawaiican coffee, another single origin, this time from the northern Andes of Peru. Not only does the bag look amazing with its stamped-by-hand aesthetic, but it's also informative, always a good sign with coffee. The more the roaster is able to share about what's in their bag and where it's from, the better relationship they likely maintain with the farmers, like Carlos Omar Altez, who began cultivating coffee two decades ago at Finca El Hawaiican, his ranch. This coffee is grown at 1,500 meters, nearly 5,000 feet, but it contains three different varieties of coffee, Keturah, Tipica, and Bourbon. We're going to talk more about coffee varietals down the road, but let's go ahead and taste this coffee and talk about that a little bit more. Now, it's super fragrant with milk chocolate, kind of caramel sweet, nutty notes. On the bag, it lists it as peach, toasted walnut, milk chocolate, and I think all of it's going on. I love the dry, kind of nice, toasty linger that it has and the full body as it rests on your tongue. There's definitely a light, fruity acidity, kind of that brightness that we talked about last week with the Sumatra we drink as well. I've brewed it in a Chemex this week, and you can always find that information ahead of time at my blog at beanstalkpodcast.com, or honestly brew it however you're most comfortable. So today, to talk about specialty coffee and why it matters, we need to first define coffee as a whole. So let's start there. Coffee beans themselves are actually the seeds of a shrub that grow small bundles of fruit, often called coffee cherries. The shrub grows across a region known as the coffee belt that runs around the world, roughly between the tropics of Cancer and Capricorn, where winters are mild and don't really see big freezes like we see when we leave the coffee belt and make our way any closer north or south to the poles. Now, there are many species of coffee, but only two are really considered fit for human consumption, Arabica and Robusta. You've probably seen some products on the shelves of your local supermarket touting 100% Arabica, which is their attempt to say this is a quality coffee product. I won't say for sure whether that's always true, because that seems dubious, but between Arabica and Robusta, Arabica is considered to be the higher quality species, so there's something to it. It grows at higher elevations, which requires the plant to work harder to produce the coffee cherries. They develop more slowly, and as a result, their flavors become more complex along the way. Robusta, on the other hand, is very hardy and robust, hence the name. It grows in high volumes at lower elevations and in hotter, drier climates, tasting much more bitter as a result. Because Robusta is considered easier to grow, though, it's less expensive, which leads to its popularity as a filler bean in many commercial and instant coffees. Take Maxwell House or Folgers, for example. 
That's not to say you can't get a quality Robusta coffee, and more attention is actually being paid in the industry lately to cultivating Robusta plants for the higher-end coffee market, due in part to climate change. That's a huge whole topic of its own, so we'll have to tackle that in a later episode. For now, we've touched on what coffee actually is, where it generally comes from, and the differences between Arabica and Robusta species of coffee. But what makes a given coffee special enough to be specialty coffee? The short answer, it scores well. 80 or more points on a 100-point scale if we want to be more precise. To learn how this works, let's jump back to our previous episode for just a moment. We focused on fragrance, aroma, and flavor, but I also mentioned that there were a bunch of other key attributes that are assessed in coffee. For the consumer, most of them are perhaps perceived, but not necessarily distinguished. Sure, we know a good coffee when we taste it, but we may not immediately recognize that it's because it has a high-scoring, bright acidity, a full body, or a desirable lingering aftertaste, for example. Fortunately, any self-respecting coffee roaster will have someone on staff who does recognize these types of attributes on our behalf and sources their beans accordingly. As a refresher, the attributes are fragrance and aroma, flavor, aftertaste, acidity, body, balance, sweetness, clean cup, uniformity, and defects. In a formal setting, these are assessed in a ritualized process called cupping. Note, this is very different than the kind of cupping that made Michael Phelps look like he'd been attacked by Kraken during the last Summer Olympics. In a coffee cupping, well-trained professionals will investigate the various qualities of beans, first by smelling the grounds for fragrance, then brewing the grounds using industry-standardized methods to assess the wet aroma, before slurping the coffees to pick up on all the rest. Along the way, they use a scorecard to note their impressions of each attribute, which ultimately get added together to determine the final score. If that score is above 80 points, the coffee qualifies as specialty-grade coffee. It's a very detailed process that requires focus and intentionality, but yields an intimate understanding of the coffee and what it has to offer. Coffee is graded like this at various stages in its journey from origin, where it's first grown, and the cafe, where it's ultimately served or sold. So in the most tangible sense, specialty coffee denotes a score. With that said, I want you to think back to the last test you took, whether for school, work, or other reason. Your score, we'll assume you did well, wasn't just a flat number demonstrating your ability to regurgitate information well. It represented all of the effort you put in to truly understand the subject, studying and working at it along the way. So too, the coffee score isn't just a one-dimensional metric of quality, but a representation of the deliberate steps taken along the way to ensure a high level of quality. According to the Specialty Coffee Association, specialty can only occur when all of those involved in the coffee value chain work in harmony and maintain a keen focus on standards and excellence from start to finish. This starts with the farm where the coffee is grown. It takes years of devotion to care for the trees that produce specialty-grade coffee. Farmers who go this route need to make a deliberate choice to nix high-yield coffees as their source of livelihood and trade for higher-risk, lower-yield, but higher-quality coffees. From there, after, it's picked and processed. Green buyers who are tasked with sourcing green, pre-roasted coffee beans rigorously evaluate the score of the beans and choose which ones to offer to roasters, all while fostering healthy relationships with the farmers and communities they visit. Then, the quality of coffee lands in the hands of a roaster, who must be skilled enough to understand the coffee they've received from the green buyer and how to roast it to bring out its best qualities. It's said a roaster can, with great ease, take a specialty-grade coffee and roast it well below standard. Yet, despite great effort, they rarely can take a mediocre coffee and elevate it to specialty-grade. So, everything that comes before the roaster is critical, and the roaster plays a critical step in affecting how that coffee is going to be there forward. 
After it's roasted, everything comes down to preparation. In a matter of seconds, a barista at a coffee shop or a consumer brewing at home determines whether that coffee shines to its fullest potential or falls flat. And finally, whether you're drinking coffee in a shop or at home, you are the final step in the process. By learning about and seeking out specialty-grade coffees, you vote with your money that all the preceding effort was worthwhile, and you help perpetuate the cultivation and care of specialty-grade coffee and the people dedicated to its success. By listening to this podcast, for example, especially if you're able to follow along and drink our weekly featured coffee, like today's Peru from Jubilee, you demonstrate not only a commitment to a higher standard of quality of taste and flavor, but also a commitment to a higher standard of living for every person who contributed along the way, as the SCA points out. I've got some bad news, though. You're probably not going to see coffee grades on the bags you buy. It's just not really done. So how then does one learn to find specialty coffee in the first place? The answer may be a little more simple than you think, and right around the corner. That, however, is a topic for next week. I hope you're able to take this week's lesson and carry it forward with you as you enjoy your coffee this week. Understanding the basics of specialty coffee and seeking it out is a sure way to know you're getting a high-quality product that you're bound to enjoy more, and also feeds back into a very healthy economic relationship from origin to cup. Thanks for listening to the Beanstalk Coffee Podcast. I hope you enjoyed your coffee just a little bit more today. A huge thank you to Jubilee Roasting Company for donating this week's featured coffee. Next week, we'll be drinking Ethiopia Limu from Form and Function Coffee in Boise, Idaho. Our discussion topic will be about coffee waves. I'm not talking waves you can surf, but waves as movements through history. Thinking in waves is a great way to start assessing and classifying the kinds of coffee shop you visit or buy from, and ultimately the experience you'll have there. If you have questions about coffee that you'd like me to answer, like whether it's okay to freeze coffee or whether you should start grinding your coffee at home, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at bt at beanstalkpodcast.com. You can find out about upcoming featured coffees with links to purchase, how I'm brewing it, and other information about this project online at beanstalkpodcast.com. There you can also sign up for the Beanstalk Coffee newsletter to get updates and links right to your inbox. I hope you'll also connect with us on social media, and don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Until next week, sip, sip, share. Hey again, Trevor here. If you're a coffee roaster or have one you'd like me to reach out to, please visit my website and let me know. I'm thrilled to get in touch with different roasters around the world to feature their coffees. It's completely free, and all I ask is they donate a bag of coffee for me to sample on the show. Thank you, and have a great day.